Lorna and Rena were best friends and at one point in their lives, nothing could have torn them apart. That all changed, however, when betrayal turned to murder. This is Red Rum, stories about the true victims of crime. This show is made from various source documents listed in the show notes. I use archives, documentary footage and court documents, and so the episodes are accurate to the source material I can find. Find all the episodes that are on YouTube as a podcast version listed in the show notes. Rena Salmon was born in 1960 and was raised in Burnley in Lancashire. She was tasked with a difficult upbringing, mainly because of racism she experienced from her own mum. Her dad was from Bangladesh and her mum, who was white, would often tell Rena how she and her siblings had ruined her mum's life by being born. Rena later spoke about how she was physically beaten on a regular basis and emotionally abused throughout the first few years of her life. The abuse got so bad that Rena decided to run away when she turned 12 years old. And this continued on and on over the following years. And by the time she was 18, she was left feeling lost and alone and decided to join the army. During one of her tours whilst in the army, Rena met a man called Paul Salmon who worked as a technician and the pair really hit it off. Rena later spoke about how she'd never felt as in love or as special as she was when she was with Paul. The romance blossomed and the pair got engaged soon after. By the time they were married, around five years into their relationship, Rena was pretty happy with how things were going and so it only made sense to her that they would start a family. And it wasn't long before they had two children and eventually they moved to Berkshire. But the marriage was not going the way Rena had hoped. Paul was having to work away a lot and she could feel the distance between her and Paul growing. And as arguments began becoming more and more frequent, Paul eventually admitted that he wasn't happy. He had ended up having an affair with a woman. It wasn't someone Rena knew and it was over now. But of course, this made things between the couple even more difficult. And even though they decided to stay together, things would only go from bad to worse. The family moved to Great Shefford and Paul started this new job as an IT consultant. And at this point, he's earning a lot of money, around £130,000 a year. And this is back in the late 90s. And so the couple and their family really were living a life of luxury. And it wasn't too long after this revelation of the affair that Rena came outside to find out that one of her children was playing with a four-year-old who lived nearby. And Rena went over to the four-year-old's mother's house to introduce herself to the neighbour. And that's when she met Lorna Stewart. Lorna owned a beauty salon in Chiswick. And the pair got talking and they got on really well. Rena would later say she noticed how beautiful this person was, Lorna, and she described her neighbour as, quote, exotic and known to be a business owner and a practising Buddhist. The friends soon brought their families together and they would go to garden parties or go to the pub together. But Rena often spoke about how her husband Paul didn't exactly take well to Lorna. He thought she was a quote blonde bimbo and that she was full of herself. It was in the winter of 2001 that Lorna's husband Keith was on the family computer when he came across an email that was from their friend and Rena's husband 
pull. And the email contained words and phrases that were romantic and intimate. This was completely unbelievable to Keith. As he read on though, it became clear that Paul and Lorna had been engaging in some kind of more long-term affair. And Keith went straight to Lorna and asked her what on earth was going on. And she admitted that there had been an affair between herself and Paul. They'd been seeing each other. So she and Paul sat down with Keith and they reassured him that it wasn't ever anything serious. And in fact, it was only ever a fling. They didn't actually want to be with each other. Lorna was in love with Keith. They had two children together after all. And Paul said at this time that he was in love with Rena, and he begged Keith not to say anything about it. Now, there's not a huge amount of detail on exactly why or how they managed to get Keith to agree to keep the affair a secret, but whatever the reason, he did keep quiet. And the families continued their friendships as if nothing had happened. And in fact, they even spent that following Christmas celebrating together. And it seemed as though Paul and Lorna had really gotten away with this short-lived affair. But just after Christmas, Paul told Rena that he needed to tell her something. Now, he didn't tell her specifically about the affair, but instead, he just said that he wasn't happy. He didn't know exactly what he wanted, but he knew that he wanted some time away from Rena, and so he decided that he was going to spend the next couple of days on his own, out of the house. Rena was devastated. She begged him to stay. But he said no, he needed time. And so he left the house for what Rena assumed was potentially just going to be a few days. During this time, Rena went to confide in her neighbour and her closest friend, Lorna. Now, of course, at this point, she's got no idea about what had been going on. And Lorna was not about to tell Rena. And so she just comforted her. And after this, the pair even went out bra shopping together so that Rena could buy a new lingerie to entice Paul with. And in a documentary that I watched on the case, there's a phone call between Rena and the presenter. And in that phone call, Rena actually speaks about how she spent loads of money on this bra, but, and this is in her words, if it was going to do the job, then it was worth it. It's clear from the way that Rena talks about this time of her life that she had no idea of the gravitas of the situation and she clearly did not think that Paul was actually going to leave her for good. It's clear she thought there would be a fairly simple solution and it just involved new underwear. This doesn't point to someone who is fully aware of the scope of what's going on and the fact that her life is about to change quite drastically. And so the following few days went by and eventually Lorna's husband Keith turned up at Rena's door and he revealed to her that Paul and Lorna had been having an affair. And of course Rena was devastated by this, but more so than that, she was completely shocked. She called Paul and told him that he needed to stay away from the house and she added that he would never see her or the children, quote, alive again. It was just a few days after that, that Lorna and Paul decided to properly end the affair. So it had actually been continuing on. And that's when Lorna begged Keith to take her back. And 
Paul actually begged Rena to take him back. And in this conversation, Paul assured Rena that Lorna and Keith were gonna move overseas. They were moving to Australia. And so they would be out of their life forever. And so Rena agreed to take Paul back. But it wasn't long before Lorna and Keith's relationship began to unravel in Australia. And when that happened, Lorna decided to move back to England And when she came back, it really wasn't long before Paul decided to break things off with Rena once again. And things are a little bit messy here. And there's an account that Rena turned up at Lorna's house, banging on the door and shouting at her and asking, why has she done this to her? They were supposed to be best friends after all. And Rena alleges that the pair got into an argument and Lorna then allegedly struck her back. During this time, Rena also scratched the word whore into Lorna's car. And it was just moments later that Paul turned up and pulled them away from each other and and got them to sort of settle down. The next few weeks saw Rena's mental health decline quite rapidly. And she even texted her own children saying that she just couldn't live without their dad and she was sorry, but she had to do what she had to do. And the children told their dad this. And so he drove back to Rena and managed to get her this urgent help that she needed. But that wasn't the end of it. And in fact, things only got worse over the next couple of weeks. Rena was completely dependent on Paul. And despite what he'd done to her in terms of having the affair, Rena maintained that she just couldn't live without him. And in fact, if he wasn't there, she couldn't live at all. And she told the children this, but of course her daughter, Jasmine, who was just a young child at the time, asked her mum to please not go without her. And so Rena said, okay, she'd quote, take her babies with her. Meanwhile, Paul and Lorna's relationship was continuing forward and they actually ended up moving in together. And in fact, they had planned to get married, but all the while, Rena was seeing this happen and she was seeing them live the life that she was meant to have. And the upset and hurt that she was feeling turned very quickly to anger and resentment. And that's when Rena called a maintenance worker and she hired that maintenance worker to unlock the gun safe in the family house. And she said to this maintenance worker that her husband was dead and she just needed to access this gun safe or gun cabinet. But it wasn't for the guns, it was for other valuable things like jewellery. But of course, once the gun safe was unlocked, she was able to take the gun out and begin planning her next moves. By Rena's account, she had apparently planned to take and use the gun on herself It was never meant to be for anyone else. But of course, what happened next were actions that Rena would never, ever be able to take back. Again, by her own account, Rena said that she reached down for a cigarette, but the next thing she knew, she was in her car and she was driving towards Lorna's salon. In one of the documentaries that I watched, she said that she'd been driving an automatic car and so she didn't even have to think about driving. She didn't even know she was driving until she turned up at the salon. But at some point, Rena said she came to her senses in the car and eventually drove back home. 
It wasn't long after that, however, in September of that same year that Rena went downstairs, opened up the gun cabinet once again, pulled out a gun and loaded it. And this time, things wouldn't end with her just driving back to the house. Instead, she got into her car, she made her way to Lorna's beauty salon, and as she pulled up, Rena got out of her car, she grabbed the gun from her boot, and she went towards the salon door. This gun is a shotgun as well, so there is no hiding it. And in Rena's case, there's not even an attempt to hide it. Instead, she just walked into the salon, straight past an electrician, and asked, quote, is Lorna here? And the electrician just said yes, and pointed through the door a bit further into the salon. Now, the electrician says that he had only just moved to the UK from South Africa, and so it wasn't alarming to him that this woman was carrying this huge shotgun. It was maybe a bit out of place, but remember that Rena had previously worked in the army, and so she was confident handling guns, and it certainly didn't seem alarming or threatening when she appeared at the salon door with that gun, at least not to the electrician. After that, Rena walked through that second door towards Lorna, and Lorna then asked Rena about the children. She'd seen this gun, and she asked what would happen to the children. Rena then held the gun up towards Lorna, and she pulled the trigger. And a few seconds later, she pulled the trigger and shot her again. After that, Rena pulled a packet of cigarettes out of her pocket and started to smoke one of them. She was arrested not long after that, at 11.07 that same morning at the salon. Rena said her plan was to get Lorna to call Paul and just scare her and then to take her own life so that Lorna would see it happen and Paul would hear it happen. But when she arrived at the salon, Lorna had asked what would happen to the children and Rena said that she just didn't know what to do when she was asked this question. But allegedly, Lorna looked up to her as if to say, go on then, do it. And that's when she decided to pull the trigger. But of course, we know that it wasn't just once. This happened twice. Rena said that she came to after that and she saw Lorna lying on the floor. Now, the defence stated that Rena wasn't in control of her actions at the time of the murder, and Rena backed this up by stating that she had been planning to take her own life and not Lorna's. The prosecution rejected the version of events that Rena gave, saying that she wasn't planning on taking her own life, and they pointed to the fact that she had loaded two bullets into that gun, and you don't need two bullets if you're only planning on taking your own life. It came out at the trial that Lorna was two months pregnant with Paul's child. This is something that Rena just couldn't have known at the time of the murder, but of course, in killing Lorna, she had killed the unborn child. This case reminds me a little bit of the Betty Broderick murders. It's a woman driven to murder by a man's affair, but of course the trigger wasn't pulled by Paul or by Lorna, it was pulled by Rena. And the consequences of that were that A woman lost her life, along with her unborn child, and Rena was convicted, and she was sentenced to life. Although, this this case happened quite a few years ago, and she actually only served 14 years, and is now out living free. And after her release, she got into a bit of a legal battle with her own daughter, who she had previously lent money to, to buy a house. Now, when Rena got out of prison, she claimed that Jasmine had lied about the amount of money that the house had cost and she was missing £15,000. 
but Jasmine denied this, saying that the agreement was that she would pay her mum back monthly, but her mum had changed her mind, apparently. Jasmine went on to say that her childhood was not a good one and that when her mum had been fighting with Lorna and scratched the word whore onto Lorna's car, she'd encouraged Jasmine, who was just 10 years old at the time, to slash the tyres of that same car. And Jasmine also said that on the morning of the murder, Rena had taken Jasmine to school and said, quote, I'll see you later. Always remember that I love you no matter what happens. And it's not just the financial battles that Jasmine is worried about. In 2017, she spoke to reporters about how she had stuck by her mum throughout all of her time in prison. And she was hoping that when her mum got out, she would be able to reunite and they would live properly as a family. But unfortunately, Jasmine said that just didn't happen. There was such a breakdown in their relationship that she actually is scared about what might happen to her. Quote, I fear for my life. It's her behaviour. She has been massively erratic since she got out of jail. She is mentally unwell. I would ask her if she felt guilty and she would just say she served her time as though 14 years in prison made up for it. She also said that her mum talks about murder quite a lot and that she had been told that it was easier to do it a second time. Thank you for watching this episode of Red Rum. If you enjoy these kinds of cases, please click the thumbs up button. If you have a case suggestion, please whack it down below. And I will see you next week for another episode of Red Rum. Bye.